Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope that this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. It is great to be with you in the presence of the Lord today and to worship Wirtz family. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. I just treasure those moments that we get to experience together as a church family and uh, bless you today. Hey, hello to everybody also with us online, worshiping from many different locations. I'm still soaking in the joy of our resurrection celebration a few weeks ago. And here we are continuing on in our Eastertide season. We looked at the ascension of Christ into heaven, which took place 40 days after the resurrection. Here's a review. The ascension is Jesus' enthronement as king. The ascension makes Christ supreme over our enemies. And the ascension paves our way to the Father. Last week, guest preacher Tim Mannon spoke about Pentecost, the descent of the Holy Spirit, At Pentecost, we witness the birthplace of the church, so we're no longer word people, we are word and spirit people. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes to rest on believers. God is now with us always, and nothing can change that. And at Pentecost, we receive the enabling of the Holy Spirit, so we are empowered for Christian living, and we are never abandoned. Prior to these two critically important historical moments, Jesus gave instructions in the future tense, meaning after he ascended to heaven and after the Holy Spirit came to stay, the disciples knew exactly what to do next. This instruction is Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8. Let me offer a brief illustration about power. My son, Andre, is my disciple. And the things that he learns from me at home are things like weed pulling, rock shoveling, Leaf raking, how many of y'all know there's a lot of that going on in Tulsa? And a few days ago, a new endeavor, tree limb removal. I had a guy come by and look at five limbs that I needed removed from my backyard. He said, it'd be $800. I said, no, it won't. I got on Amazon. I bought a little thing on Amazon, and they sent it to the house. I said, come on, Andre, let's try this out. It's very dangerous. Um, <laughs> You tie a rope to a heavy wrench, you fling it over the branch, it comes down, then you pull up the chainsaw, and then it goes over, and then you stand right under it and just do this, and you saw the branch. Big branches, right, son? Um, Problem is, my neck started hurting, and I'm like, Andre, I can't keep looking up at this branch. Come stand over here, and when you see the branch starting to fall, scream. (laughs) So I started to saw, and I look over, and I'm like, bro, I'm not kidding. You don't take your eye off that branch. And then sure enough, run! And I would run. So imagine my son's excitement when he comes home and I say, uh, go get dressed, it's project time. Anybody else have project time at your house? 
So five large limbs, and while my son is very helpful around the house, I do not count on him to do the heavy lifting. He's helpful, but I don't count on him to do the heavy lifting. Here's what I brought to the backyard that day. A chainsaw, rope with pull handles, a ladder, carabiners, a pole saw, and the strength of a middle-aged dad bod, (laughs) which isn't all that impressive, but it got, got the job done. Here's what Andre brought to the backyard that day. Obedience and effort. Obedience and effort. Here's the point I'm making. Without my physical power, without the power of my resources, without the power of my tools, my son would still be sitting in the backyard looking up at those five limbs going, how are we going to get those down? He needed his dad. He can't do it on his own strength. No chance it would get done. You see where I'm going. Let's talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power. Everyone say power. Say it powerfully. Power. When the, ooh, that sounded nice. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is the special sauce of evangelism and church growth. And in the Greek, the word here is dunamai. It's used throughout Scripture to describe not just power to get a tree branch down, but miraculous power. For example, Luke 9, 1. We read that Jesus called his disciples and gave them power, dunamai, and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. This is a key word throughout the book of Acts, and it describes miracles, so this supernatural power made visible, and then supernatural power, which is necessary for you and I to be ministers of the gospel. Acts 2.22 talks about dunamai, and wonders and signs. Acts 3.12, Peter implies that it is not his own dunamai at work. Acts 4.7, Peter and John are questioned about their dunamai. Acts 4.31, with great dunamai, the apostles spoke. Acts 6.8, full of dunamai, Stephen performed wonders. Acts 8.13, Simon was amazed at the dunamai. Acts 10.38, Jesus was anointed with great dunamai. And Acts 19.11, God was performing dunamai through Paul. And here's the thing, The same dunamai that we read about in the scriptures is available for you right now. I'm glad like 20 of you are listening to me. I said the same dunamai that we read about in the scriptures is available to you right now. I remember a few years ago, the tornado sirens were going off, pretty common thing around here. So all the neighbors are talking, you know, in Oklahoma when that happens, a lot of people just go grab a beer and walk outside and look at the sky. It's Oklahoma. But around one o'clock in the morning, the storm had passed and the neighbors came outside to check on each other. Uh, No electricity in our neighborhood. And my garage door was really, it's a heavy one, so I'm like, I don't want to lift it, but I do want to drive over and check on the church. So I asked my neighbor, can we jump in your car and go check on Redeemer? Sure. So we come over here, 
And as we pull into the property, all the lights in the parking lot are off. And we drive around, and by God's grace, all we lost in that storm were some trees and some shingles. There were shingles everywhere. So then the text messages start going among the staff. They're in the early morning hours. What are we going to do about church? There's no electricity. Well, we couldn't meet. Couldn't turn the lights on. So we figured everybody would go to the website the next morning to find out if we were having church or not. And when you go to RedeemerTulsa.org that Sunday morning, this is what you read. The church is closed today. The church church is closed today due to lack of power. (laughs) Um, And it needed to be a quick comment. You know, we didn't want to say... We can't meet this morning because we can't turn the lights on and the projectors on. It's really hot in the building. The air conditioning's been off for eight hours. The firewall's down. Have a great day. We just said the church is closed due to lack of power. Hear me now. There are many believers in the world today, and sadly, many churches, and the power's out. They believe, they're professing Christians, maybe they're even abiding in Christ, but the power of the Holy Spirit, no. The power's out. Either not sharing the gospel with others at all, or attempting to without the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 does not say you will receive power when you graduate seminary, when you've practiced enough, when you've attended a conference, when you read that book. When you reach a certain age or maturity, you'll receive power when you feel like it. No, no, no. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, period. There's no other dunamai out there. D.L. Moody reminds us that without this power, our service to the Lord will be a real grind. He he, He writes, the subject of the power of the Spirit has been too much overlooked. True? As though it were not practical, and the result is lack of power in testimony and work. If we would work, not as one that beats the air, 1 Corinthians 9, but to some definite purpose, we must have this power from on high. Without this power, our work will be drudgery. With it, listen to this, it becomes a joyful task, a refreshing service. We need to remember this. Before God sent the church into the world, he sent his spirit into the church. He didn't have a plan for a spiritless church to advance the gospel. He said, I'm going to put my spirit in the church so then I can scatter the church throughout the world. Without the spirit, We're just like 11-year-old boys sitting outside looking at tree limbs, wondering, what am I going to do? A perfect example is the testimony of John Wesley. Perhaps you recognize that name. In 1735, Wesley was sent as a missionary from England to Savannah, Georgia. And he was sent completely out of obligation and duty. He was not called and he was not commissioned. 
So he comes over to Georgia, and after two years as a missionary in Georgia, you can read about his story. He says his ministry was nothing. Like he had nothing to show after two years of being here. (laughs) So he went home. How encouraging. A few years later, he attended a public reading of Romans. And something changed in his heart. Wesley wrote, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt that I trusted Christ for my salvation. An assurance was given to me that I was saved. And then he says, I testified to all who were there what I now felt in my heart. Can you imagine somebody's up there reading Romans and Wesley's like, excuse me, I need to have a word with these people. Y'all, something just happened in my heart. So what can be said about his fruitless ministry prior to this change? Well, I think it's without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Wesley was ineffective and powerless in his ministry. And the same is true for you and me. Without the power of the Spirit, our ministry is not effective, it's powerless. So what do we do with this power from the Spirit? We witness I noticed a very interesting connection this week in the scripture. When we witness about Jesus, which is what we like to talk about and do, when we witness about Jesus, we also witness like Jesus. Look at John 18, where we read a conversation between Pilate and Jesus. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You're a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying that I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. For this reason I was born. For this reason, I came into the world to testify, to bear witness to the truth. He set the example for us. When we're called to witness, we witness like Jesus witnessed to the truth. And there's also two statements that I see in Jesus' words. First of all, there is, contrary to what you may hear in the world today, there is absolute truth, and his name's Jesus Christ. And he came to tell us that. The second thing is that we're to follow his example in testifying about his love in this fractured world. So back to the moody quote, if we have the power of the spirit in our lives, our work for the Lord will not be laborious. Is that news for anybody today that you actually do work for the Lord? Oh, let me tell you. Whatever your job is, that's great. If you're retired, congratulations. You're still working. You're still in service to the Lord. You belong to his kingdom. You serve the king. But when we have the power of the spirit, it becomes a joyful task, a refreshing service. But here's the question. How far am I willing to go? How far am I willing to go in this service to the Lord? Geographically, we're instructed to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Your neighborhood, your workplace, your city, state, nation, and world. I've stood on the Mount of Olives with my wife 
where Jesus gave this instruction and you look out over the land and it's just a beautiful view. Fun fact, we've also been to New Zealand, which uh, people say is the furthest point on earth from Jerusalem where Jesus gave this instruction. So we've, we've been to the end of the earth, Andrea. Jesus instructed them, start your mission right here. Yes, it's going to go there, but you've got to start right here. Missions is not a trip. Missions is not a weekend. Missions is not an experience. Missions is a life. It's a lifestyle. So were these instructions followed? I'd say so. Acts 1.8 is essentially the table of contents for the entire book. The progression of the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth is the summary of the book of Acts. Acts 1 through 7 is the gospel spreading throughout Jerusalem, and many were added to the church daily, we read. Acts 8 through 12, the gospel advances to Judea and Samaria, and the martyrdom of Stephen would have expedited the movement of the gospel. And Acts 13 through 18 gives us a glimpse of the gospel spreading to the ends of the earth. So this strategy is brilliant. Peter to the Jews in Jerusalem, that's citywide evangelism. Philip to the Samaritans in Judea and Samaria, that's national evangelism. Paul to the Gentiles in Asia and Europe and Rome, that's cross-cultural evangelism. And now it's our turn. Here we are in this time in history It's a new era, but it's the same strategy, and it works. And I would love to camp out there and finish this message on this geographic context of missions, but if it's okay with you, I'm going to wade into deeper waters this morning. Is it okay with you? Okay. Geographically is one thing. Yeah, we got the map. Spread the gospel here and then beyond. But what about sacrificially? How far am I willing to go as a witness of the truth of Christ? You know, the word for witness in Acts 1.8 comes from the Greek word martis. Sound familiar? Not all witnesses were martyrs, but in the New Testament, all martyrs were witnesses. Stephen and Peter and Paul and many others illustrated for us the reality of witnessing all the way to death. It sounds extreme for us today, especially in a land that welcomes your Christian faith, does not persecute you, but the disciples lost their lives because they testified to the truth of Christ. And I like to imagine that they clung very, very tightly to this promise of Jesus. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So I present this question for all of us to ponder. How much would we sacrifice so that someone else who is spiritually dead can hear the message of hope in Christ Jesus? How much are we willing to sacrifice? Is preserving my physical life, this body, 
A born-again believer with the guarantee of eternal life with Christ. Is that more important than sharing the gospel at whatever it may cost me with someone who does not know Christ? No. I don't need to preserve even my own life in my service to Jesus. I ought to be ready to surrender and sacrifice anything so that someone else may come to know him as Lord. Jesus left us Acts 1.8 because God is building his kingdom and you and I are invited to participate. I gotta confess to you, it irritates me when I talk to a pastor or a missionary or a believer period and they say something like this. Oh yeah, we're just out here building God's kingdom. Just serving the Lord, just building the kingdom. I want to say, no, you're not. You're not building squat. God built his kingdom. We're not the builders. And he's not sitting on his throne right now waiting for you or me to show up with our ideas or our feedback on his blueprint. It's his kingdom. He builds it. So instead of viewing the kingdom of God as something that we build, view it instead as something that we serve. And view it as something that is current and present and actively growing at all times and transcendent. Bible scholar N.T. Wright argues that Christianity incorrectly interprets the kingdom of God simply as heaven. That's the kingdom of God, heaven, as in a place that we go when we die. He asserts that the kingdom of God is not some far-off reality. The kingdom of God and earth are purposefully intersecting. It's already significantly present in the lives of the faithful while its fullness is still coming to this earth. So why Acts 1-8? Because he has a kingdom. We are ambassadors of that kingdom, entrusted with the message of hope by the king himself to tell others that they are also invited to be a part of this kingdom. And no matter the cost. Would you pray with me? Gracious Father, we say thank you today. Thank you for opening the doors of your kingdom to us and inviting us in. Thank you that you did not leave us as orphans, but you adopted us into your family. That we belong to you and we belong with you. Thank you for the right of being called your sons and your daughters. Father, we say thank you for the family of faith that surrounds us. Thank you that you are always building this family. Thank you for the brothers and sisters that we have in Christ Jesus. For one another, we say thanks. And God, we link our elbows together and we walk out into this world faithful to your call 
Holy Spirit, give us power to be your witnesses in this world. Yes, in this fractured world, we want to take the message of your love and your hope to people who do not know it. Holy God, we repent today. We repent that you have given us this message of your love for all people. We repent of the times that we've remained quiet. We're sorry. So like Paul, we pray, God, help us with your power, with your spirit, so that we can make known the gospel fearlessly in this world around us. God, we repent of the times that we operate out of our own power. It's really not power at all. So come, Holy Spirit, upon our lives and send us out as the salt of this earth, as the light of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, would you stand and worship? Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.